Welcome back to another episode of the Paddock's Picks uh, podcast. Uh, Charlie, uh, the Grand National, it seems the obvious place for us to start. Uh, Rachel Blackmore, Henry de Bromhead, the kind of perfect month in national hunt racing uh, was complete with uh, Manella Times recording a, a quite remarkable win. Yes, uh, it, was a, it was a special day for sport, full stop, wasn't it, Dom? Um, I must admit, uh, I was watching it from my local point to point where I was hosting the live stream and... Uh, it was it was it was pretty. I'm not saying emotionally too far, but you you kind of sense that you you were watching a, an, an extraordinary sort of groundbreaking breaking moment. And I know, I know Rachel Blackmore won't want to make much of the fact that she's the first female rider to win the Grand National, but it's pretty huge for sport and it full stop. I think, and and she's a phenomenal rider. Uh, gender doesn't come into it, but like I say, in the wider world, this is something that that sort of has resonated with, with people far reaching beyond racing. And, and you, you saw with the fact that she was front page news of, of all the, the Sunday tabloids, just what a big moment this was for horse racing in particular. Yeah. You talk about the, the, the kind of the wider world. And I think, I believe I'm saying it's right. It's the only sport horse racing where, you know, men and, and women kind of compete on an equal level. I think that's correct. Um, so it just exacts the point even more that, that Rachel Blackmore, particularly after you know six victories at, at the Cheltenham Festival, you know some of the all-time greatest jockeys in, in the past, AP McCoy, um, Ruby Walsh, you know they'd have uh, you know they'd, they'd have snapped your you know your hand off most weeks to have gone and ridden six winners, and then to go and cap it off with a with a Grand National success as well. Uh, I think particularly after the, the Dublin Racing Festival, if you'd have said that he, the, you know the Henry de Bromhead Yard would have gone on to have had you know the month they've had. Uh, given the, the success that, that Willie Mullins, uh, you know, kind of enjoyed at, at Leopardstown, not just even um, in February, you know, after Christmas as well. Um, you know, you'd have probably been laughed out of the room, wouldn't you? I mean, if, you don't have to feel sorry for Henry de Bromhead, but because of the significance of Rachel Blackmore's achievements with being leading rider at Cheltenham, winning the champion hurdle, and now going on to win the, the Grand National, it's almost overshadowed what, again, is... Well, it's it's a, it's a complete first. No one has ever trained. Well, no one has initially ever trained the winner of the Champion Hurdle, Champion Chase, and the Gold Cup at a Cheltenham Festival. Mm. Never mind then chucking in the biggest prize of all in in jump racing, the Grand National, into the mix as well. And and so Henry de Bromhead deserves huge credit, and I'm I'm sure it won't affect him. But he has been slightly overshadowed because of the fact that Rachel Blackmore has almost become a a pioneering female athlete in in the wider world. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think, like you say, uh, scenes like that. You know, we we want to see these on on a core, you know, kind of more regular basis, don't we? Uh, but I'm sure with with someone the quality and, and consistency of Rachel Blackmore, there's absolutely no danger of that. We we, we want to be seeing a, a, a time where that no one's even mentioned the fact that they're female riders but mm, yeah. and, and Rachel Blackmore would say that right now and hey the under no illusions Rachel Blackmore's probably the jump jockey riding consistently the best on either side of the Irish Sea right now but yep. gender still does come into it because mm. what the things that she is achieving are first the female riders so it's always going to be spoke about and they're going to want her opinion about it and mm. and yeah i mean we hope in in 10 10 years from now it's something that doesn't even get discussed anymore but right now this is groundbreaking stuff and it's huge and, and i'm sure you found on that i've had people that don't know anything about rachel have a lot of interest speaking about rachel blackmore because of her achievements i'm sure you must have felt the same thing 
Oh yeah, quite right. Yeah, from from, from people who uh, you know probably wouldn't have even sat down and and watched the Grand National. You know, uh, we're kind of talking about Rachel Blackwell, weren't they? And and like you say, it really puts you know racing into that kind of. Um, the, the bigger, the bigger, wider picture, as, as you as you correctly allude to, and uh, it, it is groundbreaking, and, and and of course it's going to set you know a precedent. And Rachel Blackmore is is continuing to do that, isn't she? And, and of course, you know, in, in kind of the last few years, Bryony Frost and and Lizzie Kelly, Nina Carberry, uh, Katie Walsh, you know, all these kind of jockeys that have also won Grade Ones, um, you know, at the at the highest level. Um, but, but, but just the, the remarkable string of success that that Rachel Blackmore's had, as you rightly say, in a in a champion hurdle, uh, and and then to go and win a, a grand national six Cheltenham festival wins, it's uh, it, it is quite incredible. Um, Charlie, we'll talk. Obviously, we had Harry Skelton on the uh, on the show last week, uh, and we discussed My Drogo, who you know bypassed the Cheltenham festival, and, and that obviously proved to be the correct decision. Uh, he's I mean, continuing his, his amazing form of late two Grade One wins at, at Aintree, a double at Cheltenham yesterday, and it really kind of looks his jump jockeys championship to lose now, doesn't it? Yeah, I think um, it, it would be it would be almost surprising now if if Harry Skelton didn't win the the jump jockeys championship. Um, I, I think as we as we talk right now on the podcast, he's he's three clear. He's got more good rides today. He's got quality rides that I think. Air on Friday, banger on Saturday, back at air on Sunday, and it's going to take something pretty dramatic and a, a major turnaround in what we're seeing over the last sort of ten days for Brian Hughes to to be able to mount a, a, a serious sort of um, comeback and challenge. and And I would be very, very surprised were we not seeing Harry Skelton crowned champion jockey for the first time a week on Saturday. Yeah, I think I'd uh, I would have to agree with that. Uh, as we just talk about my Drogo, uh, uh, just looking through the potential uh, novice chaser, you know, kind of uh, division next year, Charlie. You know, you throw the likes of kind of you know Bob Ollinger, appreciate it in there, Colixios, all who had had won Grade Ones at, at Presbury Park. It, it really does look. It just get you get the feeling every single year that the novice chasing division is, is kind of the most exciting. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, of course. I mean, I suppose it's the most exciting because every year we're seeing, in theory, talented young hurdlers that are, that are Cheltenham Festival winners graduating on defences. But but you you are right. I think right now it, it looks a, a stellar bunch. Uh, I mean, appreciate it was phenomenal in the Supreme. Um, Bob Ollinger was every bit as good, if not better, in, in, in an incredibly competitive Ballymore. And, and Quilixios, if they go down the chasing route with him, again, look, looks in, in to have bags of, of size and scope. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it's a very exciting time, isn't it? And, and my Drogo, I mean, Dan Skelton and Harry, they, they specifically missed Cheltenham because they thought it was a, a year too soon for him. And they didn't want him to be subjected to the test that Cheltenham can bring, and it paid off in spades, didn't it? Because he was mm. mightily impressive in at Aintree and beat, beating Manella Drama, who won the Sydney Banks at, at Market Raising on it on it on his previous start, and and he he routed the opposition. And and look, you can look down through it and say maybe the likes of Bally Adams and that didn't turn up, but right now he looks the most exciting British train contender going novice chasing, doesn't he, Dom, in, in a period that we discussed before is, is dominated by the Irish. 
Yeah, uh, I, I think because that was that was another point I was going to come on to. You know the likes of Monmorel as well, and and Clandizobo, obviously who, who kind of won uh, for Paul Nichols um, at Aintree last week. Do you think that 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 that's that again we talk about setting precedents? Is is this going to be something that will maybe be subjected to as kind of racing fans that uh, you know it's not all about Cheltenham and that there's there's some still some really really great racing out there, uh, and again some some horses you could just tell looked at. They look tired and they've had hard races before. You know, Brayman's game, say, was one that I, I kind of really fancied. But maybe just that run in, in the Ballymore, if he hadn't have had that, you know, he, he may well have gone one place better. Do you, do you think that's something that we're, we're more likely to, to see and become more accustomed to in, in, the, in the next few years? Well, is, is it, it's not all about Cheltenham, Don. What's your thoughts? Or is it, is it the fact that because of the Irish strength that there's some British trainers almost ducking it slightly mm. because of the easier pickings maybe that entry presents yeah I thought, of course I, I for a second I, I did agree and then I remembered that of course Belfast Banzer won a grade one <laughs> when I think he, he'd kind of came you know fourth and third in some you know some sort of looking back some fairly weak uh, novice hurdles and of course he, he again himself ran uh, at Cheltenham as well didn't he carrying bottom weight in the in the county um, winning the county early, yeah. Winning yeah. the county. So uh, we, we've seen, you know, the handicapper, I think uh, Espoir de Rome, who, who of course fell uh, two out, I believe it was, um, in the uh, in the race against Chantry House, been, has been raised three pound as, as, a, as a result of that. Uh, I mean, it's obviously, it's a, it's a debate that you could go on for, you know, for a lot longer than, say, perhaps we've got now. Uh, but the British handicapper, is is he just too harsh, would you say? I think uh, there's there's a lot of things need looking at within British racing full stop as we discussed before and uh, the handicapping system has to be one. I mean, it, it, I've ne- I've always struggled to understand how at times you can be penalised so heavily for not winning. How you can go up in sevens and tens and come down in ones and twos and and there definitely needs to be greater co- correlation about what's happening in Ireland with regards handicapping compared to what's happening in, in, in Britain if we're going to see more competitive handicaps, which is which is what we're all looking towards. And and look, I, I was sort of joking slightly about British trainers ducking Cheltenham. I mean, I, I think, again, with Mon Morale, he's a massive, big, scopy horse, and Paul Nichols never saw him as a triumph hurdle contender. And, and again, he could be another one to add to the, the, the novice chasing mix. But, but you also highlight a great point when you say, you know, Belfast Fanta wouldn't have even been considered as a graded novice contender, a grade one novice contender for Cheltenham. Mm. And yet here he is, he's turned up at Aintree after winning the county hurdle and, and he's going home a grade one winner, which possibly highlights again the, the sort of lack of, of strength within that division from the from from the from the British runners. Yeah, it was it, I mean it, it was a Dusa, I think who'd, who'd of course only had one run uh, and had some good form to his name, you know, beating Soren Glory, who, 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 as we all know, went and won the the Betfair hurdle. But it just didn't really. A few of the races just didn't really strike you as really, really top, you know, level top grade ones, did they? Um, and and again, I think a lot of that is because these kind of Cheltenham Festival winners are all going to be going to Punchestown. Uh, and the reason why all the champions are at Punchestown is because they're all trained by Irish trainers. Um, you know, that's uh, again, that, that's maybe a, a debate for another time. Um, Charlie, we've obviously got a fantastic uh, card uh, on Sunday. Now, obviously, been moved as a, as a result of the uh, the passing of the Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, the Scottish National 
I Right was a horse that you were quite keen on for the Ultima, and he, of course, ran a really good race, finishing third. Uh, that form was, was hardly um, done any done any harm by uh, Happy Go Lucky going on to win uh, at Aintree last week. Uh, would you say he's got a chance here? I mean, he's got a great chance, as in, you know, if you're back in I Right, that he, he's going to be there or thereabouts. I mean, you, you feel almost a bit sorry for the horse, second elaborate trophy, second in a sky bet, third in an Ultima. And does he deserve to win a race like this massively? And he's almost like, like I say, a shoe in to go and run his race. But there has to be an element when you look through his profile that he's going to be possibly vulnerable, isn't he, Dom? I mean, what what would your thoughts be on him? Yeah, I think uh, like he, he's very, very, he's just very, very consistent. Uh, of course, I'm just looking. Uh, he hasn't won a race uh, kind of in in over a year. That was that was a novice. Uh, and he's been he was off a mark of one five four. Uh, so I think he's he's obviously got a lot of weight uh, to carry. Eleven stone eleven. Uh, Callum Bewley, I believe, uh, takes the ride. But I think with Galvin uh, now missing, of course, we've seen uh, particularly from Ireland a lot of kind of the the novice, um, you know chases from from Ireland who really come over to to Britain and, and and you know kind of maybe just a little bit let off from the handicapper and and you know win some some very very competitive handicap races I think without Galvin in the picture um it, it, I mean it opens up the the door for a lot of them doesn't it then you've got the likes of kind of Dingo Dollar Sam's Adventure uh, Vintage Clouds they're all kind of really seasoned handicappers aren't they um, and, and potentially I right, you know, with, with the weight he's got to carry, considering that he's he's not had a, a kind of a win uh, in a handicap until this point, it, it may just find him out. But then at the same time, he's seven to one, uh, which for a favourite is still, you know, it's, it's still a fairly a, a working man's price, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, and, and like I say, as an each way bet, he, he, he's a, a shoe in you're, you're thinking to be there or thereabouts. It, does a Scottish National going to be a strange race, though? All of a sudden the ground changes. We're looking at conditions that are going to be very much on the good side and it can come at the end of a, of a long season. So you do sometimes get funny results and, and, and a bit of a turn up. I mean, you'd be concerned with the likes of Sam's adventure about how conditions are going to ride. And I must admit, I, I was sort of drawn to Dingo Dollar. Sandy Thompson's going very well. And this horse was very impressive at Newcastle in his first start for the yard after moving from Alan King. And he could just be one that maybe is on the upgrade and should enjoy the relatively decent conditions. And the other one that I quite liked as well was, uh, again, another Sandy Thompson one, was the, was the ferry master who's right down at the bottom of the weight. Uh, he's ran some good races this year. He won around Newcastle on good ground. And he, he ran another good race behind Galahad Quest at Haydock back in February on the much in, under much slower conditions. And I just thought some good ground, the lightweight, might see him go very well in a race like this. Uh, yeah, the ferry master. Yeah, I think twenty uh, third in the weight I've got down here. So um, and finished finished second uh, over hurdles at the at the course as well. Of course, always uh, always a key uh, a key factor to take. Charlie the flat, uh, a, a touchy subject for a potentially a, a former national hunt jockey. Is is would you sit down and watch some of the bigger flat races over the you know the, the, the Craven meeting? Obviously, three days at Newmarket. Would that kind of um, w- would you be open to watching that, or is it very much just about the jobs for you? No, not at all. You know, I, you know, I really enjoy watching the flat racing, and it was great to see Tactical win the the free handicap yesterday for Andrew Bolden, and of course Sacred being so impressive in in the Nelgrim for Willie Haggis and Ryan Moore, and, and looking a much more furnished filly now who could go on, who's going to go on to the one thousand guineas, a one would presume not ridden by Ryan, of course, because he'll be in high demand for Aidan O'Brien. But yeah, I mean, it's 
it's very much a transitional time of year, Dom, isn't it? And do you have a preference yourself, flat or jump? Um, I, I would I would side with with the jumps. Um, I think I, I just love the kind of the way the horses always come back, and you know, again, you, you, some of these kind of three-year-olds who were, uh, you know, like see the stars, in, you know, 12 years ago who, you know, had such a decorated career as a, as a three-year-old. But of course, we uh, we kind of never saw him again, did we? Whereas I, I suppose these, be it the Grand National or the Tingle Creek or the Cheltenham Festival itself, you know, these kind of familiar faces, familiar names, I think it's uh, it's always great to see. But I, again, from the, the kind of the breeding point of view, you know, and, and, and the finance in, in the flat game, of course, it's very, very popular with with, uh, with many, isn't it? But I ask, because I, I believe you used to ride on the flat, didn't you? Was it for Richard Farhey? Yeah, I had a couple of seasons riding on the flat um, up at Richard's, and it was a brilliant education, a fantastic yard. I mean, when I was first went there, I think Richard had sort of 40 horses, and trained from a yard uh, a good way outside of Moulton in a village called Butterwick, like an old farmyard. And the last year I was there, he bought Mudley Bank and moved over there with about 70 horses, had a very good year. And, and I think, well, now he'd have well over 200 on the place. He's, he's been one of life's and racing success stories, Richard Fahey. And um, they also started the season in tremendous order as well. And it is, I'm, I'm sure Richard will be churning out a lot of winners because he does it year in, year out, you know. Can you remember the the lowest riding weight that you had to be? I did um, a, well a few times. I did seven stone nine, which is a, wow. a miracle now. As in, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be seeing I wouldn't be seeing within three stone, three or four stone, <laughs> seven stone nine. So uh, yeah, it was um, it was I was I was I was a heck of a lot smaller. I, I think I left school and I was I was sort of five foot and about seven and a half stone, and and so I, I went much. It was never the the aim. I, I started off on the flat and and got into it and. and I mean, had had a little bit of success and and was trying very hard in my weight, and then then things changed sort of what once I got my late teens into my twenties, and I sort of very quickly got a lot heavier, and I, I must have been at the time thinking, well, I, as I changed over from riding on the flat, that uh, I'd never have to see a, a sauna again, and and that very quickly went out and went out of the reckoning as well, and um yeah, as in it, it, it's funny how you well some of us just late developers, you know, I suppose I, I wasn't that precocious as a, as a youngster in, in physically I, I was I was always small um and so yeah the, the flat but the flat was great experience and, and I loved it I was lucky enough to ride a win around Chester and and had some great times at Richards and it was, it was a big part in sort of helping shape me as, as a rider and a person you know was there any any flat jockeys kind of who were, who were maybe senior at the time that, that you would look up to or that were a particular inspiration to you uh, during your time at Richard Farhees I don't know about inspirations. I mean, I suppose, like, from a point of view, Kieran Fallon was sort of the man on, on top of the, the world, like, sort of, you know, the best sort of flat rider riding at the time. And he was he was actually a lovely man to be around the weighing room, very quiet guy, and, and everyone sort of respected him and looked up to him on a, on a personal level day in, day out. I actually lived with Paul Hannigan initially when I was up there, and Barry McHugh and Tony Hamilton were, were all sort of, involved at Richard Yard at the time and, and it's phenomenal to see that they're all still making up the main core of the riding team at Richard still and, and he was very much about that Richard it was, it was sort of a team of riders within the yard and, and they didn't seem to kind of go too much further beyond looking amongst their own and, and, mm. and it shows he's had tremendous loyalty from the lads and he's been tremendously loyal to them for all these years now Of course you look at Frankie de Tory still uh, yesterday of course rode a winner uh, at, at Newmarket, and 
just feels like he's maybe the uh, the kind of the, the the seven winners at Ascot. It, it seems like an age ago, doesn't it? And here he is, kind of you know, way into his into his fifties, still making weight, still having to you know you know riding every you know every day for John Gosden. Uh, it it's not exactly easy. You know, for any jockey, be it be it flat or national hunt, to to of course make the weight as you as you kind of rightly say. But you must have some kind of get up and go about you to get up in the morning and, and still obviously go and you know, these early starts. I mean, you're you're well, you're still used to them, aren't you? Because uh, because of the work you you still do. Yeah, I mean for sure. I mean, look, I'd say it, I'd say it, it, it gives Frankie a bit of inspiration to get up when you've got the quality of rides he's got to look for. And <laughs> um, it, you you wouldn't think he lacks motivation with the, with the quality of the Godson yard. But I mean, look. Frankie is is one of the the best riders we've we've ever seen, and he's done it all around the world, and he's done it over a prolonged period of time, and and I think it's it's fantastic for him right now to be back with his mentor John Gosden, and and I mean the the Gosden Yard is all conquering, isn't it? And the depth of talent means that I, I see no reason why Frankie won't go on for a good few more years yet. He's his weight seems to be in order. His life is very much as he wants it, and, and he can focus on the big days. And I think, again, John Gosden is brilliant at managing him because he, he doesn't want him careering around the country, riding everything he can at small tracks on, on a mundane days. He, he wants the best of Frankie Dettori, and Frankie Dettori at his best is, is, is in the big races, and, and John Gosden very much minds him with that, with, with that as the primary focus. Yeah, he's like a, a, f- a fine wine, isn't he, uh, Frankie Dessori? He just seems to be getting a better year on year. Is there a, a flat festival or flat race that uh, that you look forward to the most, kind of as we really approach the uh, the main part of the season now? Yeah, I adore Glorious Goodwood, Dom. Um, mm. I mean, I enjoy Royal Ascot, but Glorious Goodwood, I think, is phenomenal. I, I normally go down with my wife, Francesca, and her family, and we, we stay down there. And, and a couple of days at Glorious Goodwood, I would recommend to, to anyone and of course the other one I mean Chester for the sort of May meeting or any of their big Saturdays is, is unbelievable because of the how small the track is the amount of people they get in there it's a fabulous atmosphere and there'd be two I'd strongly recommend what about yourself Dom any any, any that you really relish going to um, well it's funny you say Chester actually because uh, I think we we used to kind of attend the I think that they've got a meeting there on a Saturday in July uh and obviously the weather's great, and it's it's right in the city centre as well, isn't it? I mean, the the kind of the location for Chester Racecourse is about as good as it gets, isn't it? You don't have to kind of trips too far out, you know, further afield to get there. Uh, I did Ascot, uh, the Champions Day at Ascot, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I thought that was a fantastic, uh, you know, day, just kind of right at the end of the year. The, the only thing, you know, maybe from Champions Day compared to Royal Ascot itself is the uh, is the weather. It was a little bit miserable, and I think it falls the week before um, the October meeting at Cheltenham. So it's kind of, you know, really, really coming into back into the National Hunt, uh, you know, frame once again. Uh, but I would probably be... I'd say it'd probably be a Royal Ascot man myself, Charlie. Just from the, I think, it, you know, it is like the Cheltenham of the flat, isn't it? It's just five days, the, the best race against the best. You, you know, you get representation from from Ireland, uh, from France, sometimes, you know, in some cases from America and Australia. You know, it's a, the, the flat almost seems like a, a more kind of universal, uh, international side of the game. Would that be fair? Of course, yeah. 
and you go to Ashford, you get the top hat and tails on, Dom? Or? <laughs> no, do, do you know what? I just get one of the kind of the Kipco scarves, I think, and that's about as kind of posh as it gets. Although you do have to put a nice pair of shoes on, don't you? Um, <laughs> I don't think they'd let you in. It's, it, it's kind of a bit like uh, walking into a nightclub, isn't it? You, you can't turn up with a, a pair of Nike or a, a Adidas original trainers uh, at Ascot, can you? You can't. I, I mean, I'd say Royal Ascot would love that now, being compared to a nightclub dumbers. In that, that could be a whole new selling point. You know, <laughs> attract a, a completely different dynamic. <laughs> Absolutely right. Well, let's hope, of course, that just some people. Uh, I, I think it falls the week before uh, the COVID restrictions are, are kind of hoping, you know, hoping to kind of lift uh, to a full stance. So. Uh, again, we, I'd like to think even by by that point, you know, we'll get some form of, of crowds back at Royal Ascot. And, and again, it is one of those events, uh, you know, not just in racing, but in sport that it, it's kind of uh, the crowd really make the event what it is, don't they? And of course, it wasn't the same watching it back last year. Um, but but something that we can all kind of look forward to. And uh, again, I've not been to Royal Ascot myself, but I've not been to Goodwood either. Um, so I'd have to uh, I'd have to take your word upon that and, uh, and give Glorious Goodwood a visit. Is that is that kind of too far out the centre? Is it kind of out on its own a little bit? It is out on its own a bit. I mean, there's you know there's Midhurst and villages like that in and around Goodwood, so it, it's not a particularly big place. So yeah, as in the the track is is sort of outside, but it's absolutely beautiful up on on the on the downs there and and. It, it just is a, a spectacular setting and, and there in the sunshine, nice glass of champagne or mm. sugar pims and that Dom is in uh, if you if, if if that takes your fancy, then there's not a lot better and the and the and the, the, the racing itself is, is top floor. Absolutely right. Um, Charlie, I wanted to move on just uh, before we kind of wrap up. I saw you tweet uh, about the racing welfare and you've got a, a charity ride. You have just just to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so race and welfare is a charity that helps us underpin and, and support every, any anyone and everyone that within racing, especially the the teams of guys and girls that that, that are in the yards day in day out, looking after the horses and preparing them for the races. And and it, they're they're putting a fundraiser on this this August, uh, starting at Carlisle Racecourse on the seventeenth, with where there's a meeting on that day and finishing up at Newton Abbott on the twenty first, where again there is an evening meeting, mm. and it's going to be cycling from one point to the other 100 miles a day five days and you if you want to participate and it is open to anyone that that, that's willing to give it a go it's a 250 pound entry fee and then you have to commit to raising 2,000 pounds for racing welfare which like i say is a fantastic charity and beyond that bar bringing your bike and being ready to pedal racing welfare organizing all the logistics of the trip and everything that goes with that and so, yeah, if, if you're keen on your cycling and, and you want something to focus your training on, that could be something to check out. And for, if, you, if, you, if, you, if it is of interest, please go on to Racing Welfare's website or check out any of their social media feeds and, and have a look up because I think they are there are still spaces available. What about you, Dom? You you keen on getting on the bike? Uh, do you know what? I've, I, I, I was at the gym the other day, uh, obviously for the first time, I think since, uh, I think it was October, uh, because of course the November lockdown came in. Uh, and then by the time December rolls about, it's not really the kind of workout month, is it, just before Christmas? Um, but I did have a go on the bike. I'll take your, I'll take your word for it, Dom. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, that's, that's sort of, it, just, it was one of those, I, I, I went on the bike and, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it, it, even though it, it takes a lot of effort and I can, I can only begin to imagine kind of 
the amount of training that you that you have to put in, uh, particularly to cycle kind of, you know, over those distances. Uh, it does just seem like a really kind of enjoying, enjoy-filled kind of relaxing sport uh, to take part in. And of course, when the, when the, the cycling is on uh, during the Olympics, uh, I don't think you can beat it, can you? Lots of Chris Hoy, Bradley Wiggins in, in, in years gone by. I mean, it's, it's fantastic to watch as well. Oh, without doubt. But uh, yeah, I think I think we could do with an office representative taking them on this <laughs> challenge. Maybe yourself or Jamie or Will always used to be partial as well. So maybe you could talk about it between yourselves and, and yeah, we could have a representative from the team in the office there. It would be a good documentary, this, wouldn't it? Um, get, get like a little camera crew around. I mean, I could, you, you would probably pull miles and miles clear of me. I, I think I'd still be panting after about a mile or two. I'd, I'd be very, very much struggling. But all for a great cause, which is of, of course is the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah, without that. Look, it should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be quite tough at times as well. But uh, like you say, it's raising money for a brilliant cause. And, and like, yeah giving us all something to focus on, which is what it's all about as we work our way out of lockdown, isn't it? Oh, absolutely right. We've all, all got something to aim for, which which of course is the uh, is the most important thing. So have you been training kind of during the day? Is that how, how does your kind of schedule work? I mean, there's like, I'm just sort of recreational cyclist. I, I went out on the bike last night. I've got a, a turbo sort of in, in the in the garage that I can put my bike on if, if, if the weather's not great. So I just, Love trying to keep fit, whether it's running, cycling, playing football, whatever. So it, it just sort of gels in well. And, and certainly now, as we build up towards August, I'll try and up the train. And we're doing it with a few mates, a couple of ex-jockeys, Tom Messenger and Connor Schumacher signed up. Another ex-amateur jockey, Sam Davis-Thomas. And there's a team of a few of us that are sort of working together doing it. So And Connor especially is a phenomenal athlete and he's a personal trainer now. So... We'll be reliant on him to sort of come up with a training schedule and making sure we're all turning up there in tip-top shape come the 17th of August. That's right. It'll be uh, here before we know it, won't it? Uh, time does, does fly. Uh, Charlie, once again, it's been a, a very, very enjoying podcast. Um, we obviously look forward to the next one. We, might, we may or may not have a guest on next week. Uh, we'll, we'll do some digging and find out. Uh, but obviously, enjoy the racing this week uh, if you're watching, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again next week. Cheers, Dom.